Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. All right, lift your two hands to God. Your grace, your grace, I'm nothing without your grace, your grace shines on. Sing it out loud. Your grace, your grace, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. Your grace, your grace, shines on me. Your hands shines on me, shines on and grace is shines Father, this morning we come to you to receive the word of the eternal. The word that is able to give us an inheritance among the saints. The word that is able to build us up. Spirit of the living God, I ask that you permeate this atmosphere with the glory of your presence. And most importantly, let your word this morning bring liberation. Let it bring illumination. And let the lives of everyone physically present under the sound of my voice and those who are watching online, let their lives be changed and transformed. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship. All right, lift your Bibles up or lift your writing material up and say, I'm the student of the word. You go see phone now. I'm kidding. But I mean, if you write in your phone, it's okay. Lift it up. Say, I'm a student of the word of God. And I love the word of God. Salivate for a moment. I love the word of God. Say it very loud one more time. I love the word of God. Because it's medicine to my flesh, strength to my journey, wisdom to my life, and grace to my head. Glory to God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let your word come to us with power, with simplicity, with accuracy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Um, We started a teaching series uh, last week, Sunday, on the subject of grace. And I think Pastor Dayton, please put your hands together for him. Did a phenomenal work in teaching that. I listened to it. 
after we we're done with our service in the, um, the London church, I went back to the, um, to the room and I listened and I, I, was, I was really blessed. Please put your hands together for him one more time. Powerful word. Um, this morning, I want to take it to a whole new level, all right, on the subject of grace. And you would understand why we are teaching this subject now as we get ready for the next conference. And I'll tell you why. You see, whenever there is going to be um, a spiritual meeting like this kind of the next conference, there are usually three kinds of people uh, that prepare for that meeting. The first kind of people are the people who believe that uh, this conference is my and I am spiritually ready for the conference. The second category of people are the people who believe that, well, I'm only going to escort some people to that conference because I don't think that my life's journey in any way suggests to me that I am that kind of person that God is going to use. The third category of people are the spectators. They are neither the first category of people who God, you know, who they feel like, oh, I'm ready for the conference. Or the category of people who feel like, I know God loves me, but I'm not sure if he's going to use me. The third category of people are just the people who come and spectate. And so, it's our, you know, um, work as the church, as the leadership of the church, to help us prepare for this conference by teaching the message of grace. And I'll explain to you why we are teaching the message of grace. So that you would understand that all you need to do is to come as you are. Glory to God. And it helps you prepare you because God is able to do with your life what you don't think he's able to do with your life. And that's why we're starting this teaching series on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that the Lord God of glory would give you insights to the things that we are about to share right now. Now let's get right into it. Are you ready? I love that. Are you ready? Now, when you hear the topic of grace in the Bible, or when you hear a pastor or a teacher speaks on this subject, many people find this particular subject as one of the most complicated subjects. Number two, one of the most controversial subjects in the Bible. And so, the message of grace, the topic of grace, the teaching of grace, the word of grace, it's like, let's take it with some pinch of salt so that we don't take it too much, lest we get into error. And I want you to follow me this morning. And then, another category of people see the message of grace as, this message of grace is complete, but it's not yet complete. And so, if you were like me, who at some point in my Christian walk, this was many, many years ago, I'd always thought in my mind, never vocabulary, you know, verbalized it, but recently when I started to teach certain things, I started to do that. Um, I, I used to sometimes think that the God that we serve is sort of bipolar. Because if you read the Bible sometimes, you will not quite understand this God. Because sometimes you feel like in the Old Testament, it was a certain way. And then in the New Testament, it's a certain way. And then it's almost like Jesus now came to regularize the temper of God. 
How many of you felt that way? If you like, Jesus came to help God step down his anger. Like you are the consuming fire. Ero, lua, me ero. It's like the people just feel like God is just like that, like that guy in heaven that's just waiting to destroy your life. And so scriptures like our God is a consuming fire. Scriptures like, you know, if I be a man of God, send down fire. And so sometimes we get confused about the real nature of God. And so Christianity becomes sort of like a very hard work that we miss the simplicity out of it. In fact, you know, research shows that the reason why many people do not want to become a Christian is because they feel like what they need to do to sustain their Christianity is more than what they need to do to get become Christian. Do you understand what I just said now? Because you told me that all I need to do is to believe that he died for me, he rose for me, now I'm accepted in him, and I choose to believe that. And once I believe that, I'm a Christian. But then, religion now takes me further that yes, God died for you, yes, God kept you, but there are certain things you must do. So it's always almost like do's and do's and do's and do's and do's and do's. And I realize that many people who God has called have exempted themselves because of the fact that they do not really think that they can match up to the number of doings that they need to do to become all that God wants them to become. I want you to follow me this morning because I believe that the Lord has given me <laughs> Oh, glory to God. Amen. And so, the message of grace is not a subject in the Bible. The message of grace is the subject of the Bible. Did you hear what I just said there? The message of grace is not one of the subjects. The way you say, we have love, we have peace, we have joy, we have faith, we have blessings, we have prosperity. It's not one of the subjects in the Bible. The message of grace is actually the subject, is the entirety of the Bible. I wrote it right here, this way, that the grace is not a subject in the Bible. Grace is the subject of the Bible. And so when you read Genesis all the way down to Revelation, if you read it with your normal human eyes, all you are going to see is a bipolar God. But if you read it with Revelation and context, all you will see from the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1 to the very beginning, to the very end of, Gen of Revelation is a loving, gracious God. And that's why there are many people who believe that they are saved, but somewhere in their mind, they don't think they are saved because they try to justify themselves of their being saved on how they feel part time on what they do with God. Let me give you a very good example. It is very likely that if you go two months without praying, you would feel like you've left God or you've backslidden or something like that. But when we read the Bible, that's not the way it is. And I want you to follow me very closely this morning because it is not a permission not to pray. It's to let you know that the moment you gave your life to Christ, what you got from God was a gift of righteousness. 
And that gift of righteousness is an eternal gift of righteousness that you did not have to do anything about. It's a gift given to you by God. And so like I always say, the gift of righteousness that God, Jesus has, is the very gift of righteousness that you have. And so you are not lesser in righteousness than Jesus. The very righteousness that Jesus has is your very righteousness. Jesus is not operating in Pentium 2 righteousness and you are operating in Pentium 0.5 righteousness. No, you are operating in the very same righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God sees you the very way that he sees Jesus. This morning, I want to help us understand this subject of grace. Glory to God. And so what I'm going to do for the next two Sundays is we're going to take it line upon line. It's going to be like midweek service, text upon text, precept upon precept, one scripture to another scripture, joining one scripture, another scripture, laying it all down together so that you can understand this message of grace. Christianity is not supposed to be as difficult as further maths. No. Says your yoke is easy, the body is light. It's not supposed to be hard work. It's actually what? Soft work. So I wanted you to follow me this morning. Let's start out by reading John chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to look at three versions of that scripture. We're going to read John 1:14 and John 1.17. I want to help you understand the subject of grace because, you see, when someone says, what is grace, what comes to your mind is unmerited favor. And so people define grace as unmerited favor, and that is correct, that is true. And other people define grace as you being justified in Christ, and that is correct. But you see, this method of grace is beyond all of these things that we just said. It is correct what we just said right now, but it's way beyond it. And so I want to help you understand this method of grace so that you are not tossed to and fro because it's one of the most debatable subjects in this Christian faith. And so this would help you bring balance, context, and understanding to the method of grace, particularly how it relates to your journey. In fact, if you're looking for a writer of the subject of today, the title of the message is The Legislative Grace. But if you're looking for a writer, I coin it right here, Understanding and the Application of God's Grace in Your Life's Journey. The Understanding and the Application of God's Grace in Your Life's Journey. Alright, let's get into the Word right now. John chapter 1 and verse 14. Now, what I want you to do for me, because it's like a class we are in right now, I want you to read the scriptures with me line upon line, precept upon precept. John chapter 1 verse 14, we'll start out with the NKJV, then we move to the TPT, then we move to the Amplified Version. Are we ready? Alright, NKJV, one, two, ready, go. And the Word became flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we beheld His glory... The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, if you go to John chapter 1 verse 1, just to give a little bit of context to this. John 1 1, alright. It says what? In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Next verse, verse 2. Verse 2 says, And he was in the beginning with God. Who is this he he was referring to? Talk to me. Who was he? All right, let's help help you see that it was actually Jesus. Number 3, verse 3 says, And all things were made through who? Him, and without him was nothing made that was made. So what this scripture was referring to in John chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3 was Jesus. And so if you read verse 14 now, go back to verse 14 of this scripture that we just read, John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Who is the word? Come on church, the, the louder you speak, the help you give me to preach. Who is the word? Alright, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So it was saying in other words, that Jesus became flesh and Jesus dwelt amongst us. And we beheld who? Jesus' glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it was saying that when you see Jesus, you see full grace and you see full truth. So let's look at it in the Amplified Version because the Amplified Version helps us to expound the scripture so that you can understand what it was saying right there. So let's look at the Amplified Version. One, two, ready, go. And the word Christ, the word Christ there means the anointed one and his anointing, which is Jesus. It says, became flesh and lived amongst us. And we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten Son, of the Father, the Son who is what? Truly unique, the only one of his kind who is full of grace and truth. Look at what it says right there. It says, absolutely free of deception. Absolutely free of deception, which means in other words, that the word of God is absolutely free of deception. The message of grace is absolutely free of deception. Let's look at the TPT version as we build this up so that you can understand this grace. So that, so, 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 you see, I, I've, I've counseled many people. I remember the other day, I was trying to pray for the sick. And if you're here, you are trying to pray for the sick. And one of the block that affects people from receiving is their viewpoint of how they see themselves. And so this one lady, I was trying to pray for her. She had a sickness in her body and I was praying for her. And the Holy Spirit said to me that she doesn't believe what you're saying because she doesn't see herself to be able to receive what you are praying for. And so sometimes people's journey, not the scriptures, tell them who they are. People would rather believe what they've gone through, what people have said to them, than what the word of God has said to them. And that's why you must understand this message. Because it supersedes and superimposes itself over everything you have been through, gone through, or you are right now. Glory to God. Shout it very loud. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right, let's look at the TPT version. It says, and so the living expression became a man and lived amongst us. It says, we gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, Look at this. It says, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. Give me the message translation. Uh, let me show you what the message translation puts it. The message translation. It says, 
yeah, it says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and moved into your house. Glory to God. Absolute no corruption. It says, when you see Jesus, what you see is grace and truth. And so if you're looking for another name to describe Jesus, it's actually grace. It says it was full of grace and truth. Now, if you go all the way down to verse 19, uh, verse 17 first. Let's look at verse 17 first of the same scripture. Let's look at the NKJV first. And after the NKJV, we'll move on to the other versions like we're doing. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Give me the amplified version. I love the amplified version, the way he puts it. Look at this. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unhand, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus. The unearned undeserved grace and favor came through Jesus. Give me the amplified, the TPT version now. Let's look at the TPT version. I'm trying to establish to you that the person of Jesus represents only one identity. That's grace. And the word of God from Genesis all the way down to Revelation is speaking about only one person which is Jesus. Which in other words is speaking about only one doctrine which is the doctrine of grace. Are you hear what I'm saying? Look at this. It says, Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in what? Tender mercy. You know agege bread? You know there are two types. There's agege bread that if you touch it like this, it will respond. It's called soft, soft. There's agege bread that two knives cannot cut it. You have to, you have to borrow knife. It's like saw. You have to use chisel. So when the Bible says it was tender, tender mercy. You know, when a baby is tender, you, if, you, if you carry a newborn baby, they're very tender. You can't carry a beautiful baby and be training them up like they say, hey, gringori, look at you, gringori. It's tender. That's how the mercy of God is. It's too tender for your offense to hurt him. It's too tender for what you have done in your past. You know, one time, I remember this many years ago when the news started. Do you know somebody, listen to this, this is so powerful. Somebody had a dream. I won't share what the dream was. And when the person was talking to me about the dream, I said, forget about this dream. This is nothing. And then every time I call people to come out again to lay hands, I'll lay hands on the person. I'll ask, What's, what are you asking God for? Sir, that dream, you know, I told you about five weeks ago. That dream, some people, their spiritual experiences are more real to them above the word of faith. Glory to God. God is not your class teacher. You know that wicked one that used to beat you in the air? That's not God. When you see Jesus in the scriptures, Jesus is grace, full of grace and truth. When you see him, when you read the Bible, what you are reading is the tender mercy. God. What you are reading is the tender mercy of Jesus. Now then, 
you can't understand the subject of grace until we go back to the beginning of how all of these things began. In the Bible, I'm sure many of you have heard what you've heard things like the Jewish or the Jews or the Gentiles. And you know, most people don't even know what the difference of the Jews or the Gentiles is. It's like the way we read the Bible in Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, all the way down, particularly in the four Gospels. You see things like Sadducees, scribes, Pharisees, and all of those C's. And some, some, you've never really just taken a moment to understand who those people are and what they represent. Because you see, until you understand some of those things, what Jesus was saying in the scriptures won't make sense to you. You will generalize it. And so there were certain things Jesus was saying to the Sadducees and if people preach it now, it has nothing to do with us that we are in Christ. So for example, who are the Jewish people? The Jewish nation are the people who have a covenant with God. It represents like the Israelites. They're the people who have a covenant with God. Now, who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles is actually a nation without a covenant with God. It means the moment you are not from the Jewish nation and you are not under the covenant of the Jewish, which is the Israelite, you are likely to be a Gentile. And the Gentiles have no covenant with God. And so that's why you realize that when Apostle Paul was speaking in the book of Galatians chapter 2 and he was having his war zone and war fight with Paul when he went to confront Apostle Paul, um, Apostle Peter, he was confronting him about the message of the gospel of grace. That what you are saying in other words is that the only people who can receive Christ are the people who are of the Jewish nation. But what Apostle Paul was saying, in other words, is that when Christ died, there was neither slave or free, neither bond or whole, there was neither male or female. Christ has died for everyone once and for all. So there is no Gentile, there is no Jew in the sight of Jesus. We are one spirit with him. That's what Apostle Paul was trying to say to them. And Apostle Peter knew that, but he was scared to preach the gospel of the gospel of grace because of the people he was feasting with. And that's why God gave the message of grace to Apostle Paul. So, if you read this scripture very well, you would understand that the message of grace, and I want you to listen to it very carefully because, you see, sometimes the beginning of some of these teachings is to help you build a foundation so that you can understand. Glory to God. And so, who were the Jewish nation people? Number one, write this down. The Jewish nation were the people who God gave the law to, the law of Moses, the Israelites. So they were the ones that had the law. Number two, they were the ones that had access to, for, to God's forgiveness. They were the ones who had access to the forgiveness of God. Remember, they would go into the tabernacle after God told Moses to build him a tabernacle and a temple. And so they would go there, and when Moses spilled the, um, Aaron, pardon me, spills the blood, what would happen? The presence of God would overshadow the mercy seat and then their sins would be forgiven. So they had the covenant with God, they had the law of Moses given to them and also they had the access to God's forgiveness. Number three, they had God's promises given to them. God's promises given to them. Now, however, the Gentile nation was not completely without hope. Because if you read the life of Abraham, you will see that 
from the very text of Genesis chapter 12 was God's plan for the Gentiles to also have access to grace. From Genesis chapter 12. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Genesis 12 verse 1. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you there? Alright, look at the screen and let's read it together. One, two, ready, read. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Next verse, verse 2. Look at what it says. It says, I will make you what? A great nation. I would bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Look at verse 3. This is very powerful. And I will bless those that bless you and I will curse him who curse you and in you... Oh, sometimes we read that scripture in isolation as though what it was saying is that in you, the only family of the earth that will be blessed is the Israelite nation. No, it's saying in you all. It means the Jewish, it means the Gentiles, it means the believers. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So from the very moment God spoke to Abraham, grace message was already embedded inside. It says, in you, all the family of the earth shall be blessed. In fact, you remember in Genesis chapter 15, when Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac. I think it's verse 20. Let me, let me look at it. Genesis 15, 22, pardon me. Genesis 22 verse 15. Let's look at Genesis 22 verse 15. You will see how the obedience of a man dictated another exercise of grace. Watch this. Genesis 22 verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. Next verse. Verse, yeah, and said, By myself I have sworn, say the Lord, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. You know, this is a type of shadow of what happened with Jesus. You remember? It was a prototype of what was going to happen with Jesus. He says, you've not withheld your only son. He says, Blessing, I will bless you. Multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the earth, of the heavens, and as the sands which is upon the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Next verse, verse 18. It says, in what? Your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Which seed was it talking about there? Come and talk to me. Which seed? See, it didn't say in your seeds. It wasn't with S. It was singular. Your seed. All. So through the coming of Jesus, which represents the seed there, through the coming of Jesus, all the nation of the earth shall be blessed. Remember what we started by saying that Jesus is what? Grace. So what he was saying is that through the introduction of grace, there will no longer be Jews or Gentiles. Are you guys following me? It says, because you have obeyed my voice. Let me give you a little bit more context to this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Galatians 3 verse 8. Say after me, I'm full of grace. Galatians 3 verse 8. And the scripture foreseen. Listen, everyone, I want to just say something about the Spirit of God. 
God is not mad at you. In fact, let me say something very loud here. If you engage in any form of weakness, maybe uh, vices, you know, sometimes we think that if it's maybe pornography or masturbation or anything, we sometimes think that God's eyes doesn't see it. Like, God's like, I won't see this one. It's right there. Now, how does that make you feel? <laughs> but let me tell you, it's not right there to say to you, oh, you did this. Finish and meet me in the sitting room. It's right there to dust you up. Clean you up. Look you to the face and say you are more than this. And then it tells you, we can go again. It is religion that tells you that when the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation. The only set of people that brings condemnation is religion. There is therefore now no condemnation. If grace himself says no condemnation, then who are thou, O great mountain, telling me there is a condemnation? You are not condemned. You are loved by God. You know, the Lord told me this many years ago that the reason why people don't receive is because they feel they are not worthy. So you know, you can sing some songs like, as I'm about a filthy rag before you, and all you see whenever you come to God's presence is someone that God must clean up first. So before the process of clean up happens, service has closed. So you can't receive. So it's always like you come for a recycling every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. But the Bible says, if any man is being Christ Jesus, is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Oh, glory to God. Oh. <laughs> Woo! All things are new. All. Glory to God. So stop doing subscription with Satan. Oh, look at my life, God, now this week. Ah, do you know? The devil wants you to run from the very place that you should be cleaned. And so the devil will tell you, you are beside the pool of Siloam. You should not enter into it because there is nobody to push me there. So I'd rather not come to church because if I come to church, I will feel condemned. But you see, there is therefore now no condemnation. Don't mistake condemnation for correction. There are two different things. The Lord God of heaven corrects you, doesn't condemn you. The word of grace corrects you, not condemn you. But what the devil does, he tries to pervert the word that is correcting you to make you feel condemned. But you must keep your guards high every time that I am loved by God. And if the word of grace is being spoken to my life, I feel no condemnation. Have you noticed that when, some, when, it, when your son or your daughter offends you, they can't come to you to ask for anything at a particular age. You know why? Because maturity helps them start judging things differently. But a one-year-old child does something, you spank her or him, he goes. Two minutes, he's back to ask you, Mommy, I want sweet. Sometimes spiritual maturity can take you away from the, from the very foundation of what the Word of God is. Don't outgrow certain truths in scriptures.
you have come to church to receive. You are, you are not, you don't, you didn't come to church with poo on your body. Stop feeling like a few. So when they say, lifting up your holy hands, you just want to lift it up and then we say, toba, toba. No, we lift up our hands without fear and rot. Now unto him who is able to save us from falling. Now unto him. You must learn how to listen. In fact, the sign of lifting up your hands is a sign of surrender. There's no child that wants to be carried that does like this. If my baby wants me to carry her. So whenever you lift up your hands, you say, God, I'm but a man. Let me tell you something. God already knew we had shortcomings. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. Wow. Whoosh. Oh boy. Galatians 3 verse 8. My goodness. It says, and the scripture, look at what it says there. Remember, we're talking about Abraham and how God was introducing the teaching of grace, the message of grace through Abraham. And that there will no longer be Gentiles or Jews. Everybody's going to be one with God. Look at what the Bible says about God right here and Abraham. It says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand. What is the gospel? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the Bible clearly defines us the three Godhead and what they do. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we know that we have not come to a city, we have come to Mount Zion, the what? The church of who? The firstborn Jesus. So every time we come to church, we enter into grace. It says, and the scripture uh, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel, the grace message, to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. So you saw that the concept of grace was already embedded in what God told Abraham. Grace did not actually start when Jesus came. Grace was already in the pipeline. Jesus only manifested it on the earth. That's why you see, oh my God. Oh, glory to God. Do you remember Matthew 17 in the Mount of Transfiguration? There was Elijah, there was Moses, and there was Jesus. And they were having conversation, which represents, Elijah represents the prophet, Moses represents the law, Jesus represents the grace. Look at what they said there. When Peter saw that vision, Peter said, let us build a tabernacle for the three of you. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. What did Jesus say to him? Don't dread do it. Because if he built that tabernacle, he would have instituted a process of confusion that the scriptures would now be dwelt on the law, on the prophets, and on the law, and on grace. And so we have been confused on who to replicate and who to follow. He said, cancel that thing. Just follow me. Behold me. See me. I am now the New Testament. Glory to God. Let's look at verse 9 of that scripture, Galatians 3 verse 9. 
Thank you, Jesus. It says, so then, those who are of faith are blessed with the believing Abraham. Are you of faith? Are you in the faith? When you read the scripture, it's not saying those who have faith. And by the way, by the way, the teaching of faith sometimes has made people who should have faith believe they don't have faith. Faith is an unseen force. You can't see how your faith grows and how it doesn't grow. Your, see, oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Let me teach you a very powerful principle on receiving from God. Do you want to learn it? How to receive like a baby from God. It will change your life. When you got saved, how did you get saved? You believe in and confessing. Simple as that. I want to ask you a question. When they preached to you and they told you that's all you need to do, did you believe it at first? You believed it. Sometimes you doubted it. So it's that simple. I would just say, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and then I'm born again. Like that. Now when it comes to praying in the spirit, how did you receive it? By faith. Was it very simple? Now, did you see when the Spirit entered into your life? When you got born again, they say now that you are born again, you have the life of the eternal, the very Zoe, the very life of God, the very life that God has. It means that what is making God breathe, what is keeping God alive in that sense, is the Ayapara Kotasa, is the very one you have. Did you see when the thing entered into you? How come when it's time to have faith, you sometimes want to see that you have faith? How come when it's time to receive from God, you sometimes want to, it's a simple act of saying, Father, I believe that you are able to do and I rest in your love that you love me so much to give it to me. Keep it simple. Hold your hands like this and say, why you love me so much? Let me show you another scripture. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Oh boy, we need to run. Galatians 3, 16. Let's do this quickly. It says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. Remember who the seed there? Who is the seed? Who is Jesus? Come on, let me hear you, church. Who is Jesus? It says, he does not say to what? Seeds as of many. But as of one, and to your seed, remember that scripture that we read earlier? And to your seed, who is what? Christ. Next verse, verse 17. It says, and this I say, that the law which was 430 years cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. Ah! There is nothing that you will do that, will annul, that God will say, I'm not doing it again. There is no breakup in the Godhead. <laughs> there is no divorce in the Godhead. Once you are joined and you love him, you are in an eternal marriage. It's not emotional. And you see, don't we serve a, we serve a God that is not what you do or what you don't do. He doesn't fill his love tank. In fact, let me say something to you again. Some of us, we think that our worship fills his love tank. It's like... As you worship him more, he begins to love you more. That will mean that we have a God that is emotional. No. 
Your worship is not filling his love tank. He already loves you. Ah! Oh my God. What you do in worship is your rights, a spiritual right of sonship. Are you getting what I'm talking about this morning? Galatians 2.16. Look at Galatians 2.16. So we, we are establishing the fact that the seed there was for Christ. And so either you are a Jewish nation or you are a Gentile, you are now one with Christ. Look at Galatians 2.16. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. It says, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by Christ, by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Next verse, verse 17. It says, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sinner? Certainly not. Let me show you the amplified of the scripture. Go back to the verse 16, the amplified of the scripture. I want you to read this amplified yourself. It's verse 16, please. Verse 16. Verse 16. Galatians 2, verse 16. All right. It says, Yet we know that a man is not justified and placed in right standing with God by works of the law. What is the works of the law? The law of Moses. Do this to get this. Do this to get that. Get this to do this. Do this to do that. Do this to do that. He says, no, but only through faith in God's beloved son. <sighs> only through faith in God's beloved son. Now, do you believe in his son? Talk to me. Do you believe in his son? Are you justified? Then why do you always have to have a sense that your justification is based on what you do, what you do not do, how you do it, and what you do not do. No, you are justified. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Somebody shout, I'm just. It says, but only through faith in God, in the beloved son, Jesus. And even we as Jews have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. By observing the law, no one would ever be justified. Look at what it means by justified. It said, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty. Declared free. Somebody say, I'm free from the penalty of sin. Glory to God. So we see that Jesus was the one that brought grace. And how did it happen? Jesus had to die. He had to rise. He had to be ascended. And then the grace message was freely given and presented to us. Let me show you a scripture as I begin to wrap up. There's so many things to say, but because of our time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. Glory to God. Somebody shout, I'm free. Look at me, I want to say something here as we prepare for the next conference. I have seen how God can make the rejected stone become the chief cornerstone. 
never exempt yourself no matter what it is you did yesterday night. I didn't even say this morning. Sorry, I didn't even say two years ago. Never exempt yourself. You are already been accepted in the beloved. Listen, stop rolling over events, happenings, occurrence. You are not disadvantaged. You are not. The devil is lying to you. You are not. You are not. You are not the only one going through that tough period. The devil is lying to you. The, lev- the devil has given you a magnifying glass and is magnifying what is not. You are not. You too, not can, you too shall be used by God. There's never in the scripture where God sees one of his children and says, you are a bastard. God fights for you to the very end. Let's read the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3. It's about to be an eruption in this place right now. Glory to God. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 3, pardon me, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12. Woo, boy. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Next verse. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Next verse. He said, end of what was passing away. He was talking about the law. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. The moment, I, you know, when my wife and I was getting married, when we walk out to the aisle, they give you some laws that as a groom, if you're not married yet, let me help you. They say you stand like this. You look forward. You don't look back. When the groom, bride is coming, dun, 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 play it for me. Dun. The, the, the bride is coming. You are there panting in anticipation. What they want you to see is not that you have not seen your wife's face before. They actually want you to see the new side of her that you are married to. Which means this is the person you are going to be married to now. Before this time that you've met her, all this period, she was your wife, your pardon me, she was your babe, not yet your wife. But the one coming now is no longer babe. In that sense. She's now your wife. So they cover the veil. Everything is higher, higher. Well, stay with me, stay with me. So they cover the veil until she comes before you. Now, nobody, glory to God, can come from the stand and remove the veil of your wife. No pastor is permitted to take up the veil of your wife. 
No, what they say to you is now, you can now unveil your wife. You take up the veil of your wife, you see your wife as the first time before she was a babe, but now she's your wife. But guess what? Christ did not even allow us to take up the veil. Christ removed Christ removed the veil and so we are not trying to see like the old saw. We can see Jesus face to face. So when we say, Moses said, show me your glory and God says, you can't see my glory, you can only see my sign. That's for the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's no longer show me your glory. No, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Glory to God. Christ in me. So it's no longer trying to see the back of Christ. No, you are no longer trying to see the side of God. No, it's now what? In Give me Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16, watch this now. Thank you, Jesus. We're still coming back to this scripture. It says, all right. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith where? Let's go back to our preceding verse, the one we're reading before. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Let me read Galatians 1.16 before we go back there. Galatians 1.16. Galatians 1.16. So we say, God, just show me a side of you. Why do you want dessert when you are hungry? When you can have everything in the buffet? It's not a side. It's in you. You see, look at what Apostle Paul said there. You've read the scripture before, but sometimes you read it out of context. The message of grace is not preached to us. Watch this. It says, to reveal his son where? In me. He did not say to reveal his son to. When it's to, it's external. And once it's external, external things can walk away. Give an example. Pastor Dayton, please quickly come. If you reveal Pastor Dayton to me, and somebody introduces him to me, he's saying, hey, hi, Shola, this is Dayton, then I've introduced him. We've introduced ourselves. Can he stay with me permanently? Can he stay with me permanently? Like, we're like this for the next 45 years. What happens? After we introduce two, he must go. So it's not sustainable. But look at what Apostle Paul said. He said to reveal his son where? In me. Now, where is my kidney? Where's my intestine? If I introduce myself to my intestine and I go away, is my intestine staying back? Is my intestine going with me? So Christ is revealed in me. So everywhere I go, Christ in me, the hope of... In me. In, 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 in. You can't, Christ cannot be in you and you are asking God for something too long. Listen, 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 listen. Let no man trouble you. Let no religion trouble you. Let no man trouble you. You have all that it takes for life and godliness. It's like you have to do like 100 press up before you can ascend a dimension of the spirit of grace. And why you should fast, why you should pray, why you should give, why you should do, all of those things are supplements. 
Let me explain something. Thank you, Pastor. Let me explain something to you, and I have to close now. Listen, you know that the way God designed life is that He's made provision for everything. So, a very good example is that. Uh, let me use one. All right. Uh, for you to feed on the earth, God has provided for you sunlight, rain, trees, plants, and animals. Provisions were made before man came. So for your earthly work to eat and be alive, provisions were made. So the sun must show up, the rain must fall, and when the rain falls down, the process of rain is known by the sun alighting on water, and then there is an evaporation process that goes up to the, to, um, to, the, to, the, to the clouds, which is made of water droplets, and after they combine together after some time, they fall down as rain. So a process was set in motion already to get your provision met naturally. So if you want to eat meat, there is no cow coming from heaven. The cow to eat is on the earth. It's the same way provision also has been made for you spiritually to live. And the provision of your living spiritually is by grace. Glory to God. Oof, too much. All right, let me close this up now. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12. Let's go back to that scripture and let's close. The 2 Corinthians 3 12. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we have great boldness of speech. Next verse. It says, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look suddenly to the end of what was passing away. Next verse. It says, but their mind were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Next verse. It says, but even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. It means that the consumption of too much law, you are replacing the veil that Christ has taken away. Look at the next verse. Verse 16. It says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, it says the veil is taken away. Next verse, verse 17. It says, now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If it is not liberating, it's not the gospel. If it's not, ah, are you hearing what I'm talking about this morning? If it's not liberating you, it's not the message of grace. It is not making you free, it's not the message of grace. If it's not making you free, it's not the message of grace. If it's making you bound. You know, people believe that they have 20 demons in their family line. And they just believe that the only one my spiritual capacity can conquer is one. Who told you that? It says, now, is the, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. You know the word liberty means freedom. Freedom. Do you know when you cage a bird and you open the nest, uh, the cage for the bird to go? Do you know how the bird flies? It's called freedom. Do you know when you are tired and you see a big pool in front of you and you feel like point, throwing yourself inside the pool and you do it? Do you know that sense? Freedom. That's the word of grace. 
The gospel must bring freedom to you. You must feel free. It must liberate you. So you are not sitting at the next conference and we are saying new mantles have been handed and you are only looking at the people in front to think that they are the ones they will get it. You must feel liberated that if is rich unto one, is rich unto all. The same God over one is rich unto all. Ay, 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 ay. The same God over one is rich unto all. The same God over one is rich unto all. Look at the next verse, verse 18. I have to close, my God. Why did you give me 30 minutes to preach? I'm just kidding. It says, but we all, with what? What does unveiled mean? We've removed it. We all with unveiled faces, face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are what? We are being transformed into what? The what? Into what? Into what? Into what? Into what? Into what? Like, 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 like. Let me tell you, when you have that nasty dream, when you are sleeping, when they show up in that dream, who are they going to meet there? Jesus. Because you are not like Jesus. You are same with... We are being transformed to what? The same. <laughs> same image from glory to glory. Just as the Spirit of the Lord is. Same. Is Jesus incapacitated? Is Jesus under pressure? What's he doing in 11? What, talk to me. What's he doing in 11? He that sits in heaven shall what? He that sits in heaven shall what? So, it means that if you are the same as Jesus, you must have the same behavioral pattern. So, if Jesus doesn't need anything to make him laugh, then circumstances listen you must also learn that your bank account must not determine your joy level when money comes in today you are happy when money goes out you are sad no you must be seated in heaven laughing jumping screaming shouting laughing you are liberated because you are accepted in the beloved glory 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 Someone says, oh, you know you were battered three years ago, five years ago. You can't have kids anymore. Oh, you remember you impregnated somebody that aborted. You know you can never have kids anymore. And no, you know that the reason why you are going through a tough time is because of what you did five years ago. Guess what? People who didn't do anything are going through tough times too. The good news is Christ has made me free from all principalities, all power. I will conquer principalities and death. He made an awful spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. I'm free. You see, when you hear this, you'll be able to come to church and you will hear what? The door will rest. It will rest. You are not sitting and thinking, oh, this one they declare, God give you new level. You are thinking, not be my own. Let me even ask a question. If God says everybody on the earth to come out and he should ransack us from our sin, you know the only person that will stand? 
white dove. Because even your rats in your house will go to hell. Because they sin terribly. Those rats, they sin. <laughs> even the weather, because the weather doesn't, you know, the weather doesn't obey you sometimes. I'm free. I'm free. Oh boy, I have to close. Pastor, let me give you a definition of grace that the Holy Spirit gave me yesterday. You will never see it anywhere in the world. The Holy Spirit gave it to me last night. Write this definition down. I asked him what is the meaning of grace. And he said to me, grace is an unstrained, uncontainable, divine provision of God's goodness. mercy and his unfathomable unquantifiable love for the human and spiritual journey for the man who believes in him through Christ Jesus I can do a teaching on this it says grace is an unstrained uncontainable divine provision of God's goodness, God's peace, God's mercy, and God's unfathomable, unquantifiable love for a spiritual man and for a spiritual man's journey for him who believes in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.19. Let's look at that very scripture quickly. Galatians 2.19. Galatians 2.19. Galatians 2 verse 19. It says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live in God. Next verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Tell your neighbor, the me you are seeing, not 3D. Don't be deceived, though, not 3D. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ, what? In me. He says, the life which I now live. When the word now is used, is not yesterday. Tell your neighbor, stop living in yesterday. The life which I now, 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 now live, it says, I live in, the, let me take that back, but, I, but in Christ I live, please, media, next week, if I'm around, help me move the screen a bit forward, all right? It says, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, I'm thinking about how I'm doing my neck, let me take it back, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh. He says, I live by faith. How? So who is living the life? Mm -mm. Let's read the scripture again. 
Have you watched this movie, Face Off? You remember that movie where they removed somebody's face and put it in somebody's face? When they were looking for the person, who were they looking for? This person who they were supposed to be looking for, the original person, they couldn't find that one. The person who had a new face, taken and replaced, is the one that they are looking for. So when the Bible says, I've been crucified in Christ, it is no longer I who live. It means you no longer exist. It says, but Christ lives in me. Meaning he has caught his face and he has given it to you. It says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live where? By faith. How? In the Son. In, in, in. So, I used to use this. This handkerchief is here, right? Can you see this handkerchief? Can you see this iPad? Where is this handkerchief now? Where is the handkerchief? Is the handkerchief inside the iPad? When I need an iPad, you ask me for my iPad, I give you my iPad. Can you see the handkerchief? The handkerchief is no longer existent. Because the handkerchief now lives inside. So what is most obvious from afar? So when you are looking for the handkerchief, where is it? It's, le- it's resting, sleeping. Because it's the iPad that is working. It's the iPad that is being seen. So you live in, 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 in. It is Christ that is doing the work. Are you hear what I'm saying? It is Christ that is doing the work. It is Christ that is doing the work. You live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Next verse, which is the last one. Thank you, Jesus. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Tonight, this morning as I close, don't set aside the grace of God. Put it in the front burner of your life. Lift your two hands and back in that love. Behave like a baby. Shines on me, shines. Your grace shines on me. Let me tell you something. I heard this word under the sound of my voice for someone here. Your biological father is not the goal. Let me explain what that means. Sometimes people just feel like in the quest where they say, I want to surpass my fathers, I want to surpass my fathers. There is always more in God. Stop all those. Just don't be agitated. Lay like a baby and let his grace carry you. You will surpass beyond what you think. Rest in his grace. Rest in his love. God loves you more than anyone on earth. He loves you. Receive that love by raising your hands as sons. 
As we close, I want you to rise on your feet. Rise on your feet. And let's read this scripture together. Philippians 1 verse 6. Philippians 1 6. Philippians 1 6. And then second, and Philippians 2 13. Philippians 1 6. Say it very loud with me. One, two, very go. Tell them, tell five people around you, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I remember, let me, let me make you guys laugh. I remember one joke. All of everybody, please. I remember one joke. I think they gave a carpenter work to do, a lot of money. So he spoiled the thing. They were now dragging him. I think, Captain, now says, uh, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm, ah. <laughs> you have spoiled five million dollar job. You're a work in progress. Ah. <laughs> Don't be a work in progress. <laughs> we have completed your progress. Don't be, eh, work in progress. It says, being confident of this very thing. He that has begun a good work in you. You know, if you, are, if you went to university, the same teacher that teaches you is the same teacher that will set the exam for you. So when the Bible says it's the same one who will teach you grace, it would be the same person to set the exam of grace, but it's the same person that will sit with you in that exam hall and whisper the answers to you. Be confident with this very, that he that has begun a good work in me, we complete it. Second Philippians 2.13 Amplified version Philippians 2.13 Shout very loud I'm a work in progress You know when you want to fry plantain When you cut the plantain And you chop it Like all those ones that you dice into five With jollof rice When you put it in first It's still yellow And it's frying You can't eat it yet With fried meat The plantain is what? A work in progress by the time the plantain is done, some people are already saying, can we close the service and go home? Can we just close the service? I need to eat plantain. By the time the plantain is done, you can eat it. Why? Because the process, the plantain has gone through the process. Now, the plantain inside the fire is not angry. I, I, I don't know why I keep falling. I, I don't know why I keep falling. I don't know why this, this scene is still coming upon me. I don't know why. No! Let me tell you something. The devil whispers to you every time you fall that you can't rise. But the Bible says if a righteous man falls down seven times, seven times will he rise again. Philippians 2. Let's close with this. Philippians 2. It says, look at this. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. For it is what it is. Who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to walk, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. For what? Did, wait. Can you see that? All this, my purpose, my purpose, my purpose, my purpose, is not your own. It's for him. So listen, the concept of grace tells you God wants you to fulfill your purpose more than you want to fulfill your purpose. So, Farabale, all this is my purpose. How will I get it right? I hope I will not make the wrong decision. I hope I will not make the wrong turn. I hope I will not take the wrong job. I hope, oh, I hope, oh, out of I hope, oh, 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 they've entered into error. It's the one that works in us. But to will and to do. It's the one that works in us. 
God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to walk, that is energizing, strengthening, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. Lift your two hands and shout it five times. I'm free. Rejoice! 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 Glory to Hallelujah! We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.